Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hi there, everybody. Doggy Dan here from the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, and I am genuinely so excited to be doing this because this is basically the relaunch of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, which has been dormant now for about five or six years. But this is like the phoenix rising, rising up from the ashes. And today, I couldn't think of a better person to kick it off than a gentleman who founded the SPCA of Taiwan. He has met Jane Goodall. He's met Caesar Milan, Ian Dunbar. He lives in Taiwan. He has two children now. He's married. I only found out the other day that he had a second child a few days ago. He's from Kent in England, but he lives in Taiwan. He's the founder of the Taiwanese Jiu-Jitsu, as far as I'm aware. He's an incredibly good guy. And I can honestly say that even though I've never met you, I feel like you are almost a brother. You are a brother, a brother who I am just so honored to know because in so many ways you're doing the other part of the work that I can't do because you can't do everything, but you're doing it. And so I'm so honored to be able to support you and what you do, Sean McCormack. Hello, what a nice intro. Should we just stop there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I realized I didn't actually comment on the fact that you are also the current head of the ACT, which is the Animal Care Trust, for those of you who are wondering, ACT, what does that mean? Sean, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I mean, um, uh, life has suddenly become a lot more interesting. We've got a lot going on, the new baby and stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm very good. Yeah, I must admit, it's uh, it's an incredibly strong man who can agree to do a podcast show, uh, I think it's three days after you had a child, and not even make an excuse or say you can't do it all. Just the love of the dogs runs through your veins. Oh, well. does. Yeah, anytime we can get to share a little bit about what we do or how some of the important policies that we have that benefit animals, yeah, I'm all for mm. it. So take, take it away. Sean, for those of you who have no idea, which is probably most people, to be quite honest, what 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 are what do you do? Tell us about um, your incredible establishment that you've set up because it really is an amazing um, not for profit, I guess. Yeah, that you've set up for those people who don't know where whereabouts are you and what, what happens. Tell us all about it. Okay, so we're in Taiwan and we're based in northern Taiwan, and that's kind of the extent of our reach. Although we will go down to the south of the country if necessary. So we call ourselves an animal rescue charity. Um, but in the genuine sense of the word, I know you have uh, organizations that call themselves rescues and they're actually um, shelters and incredible work they're doing. But we are the, the literal sense of the word rescue, meaning people call us because there's an animal in distress and it'll be any animal, mostly dogs, but cats. We've rescued monkeys recently, birds, and we'll go all out to uh get them the help they need. And it usually means, because most stray dogs in Taiwan are feral, it usually means quite a bit of a, um, uh, not a battle, but it's a, it's a bit of a challenge often trying to get these, these animals um, to a, a vet. But we, we rescue yeah. them, we patch them up, 
we rehabilitate them not just uh, health wise but we get them used to people and trusting people and then we do our best to get them adopted and for those that can't get adopted for the wild animals always the goal is to release them and for the uh, companion animals if they can't get adopted into a, a very good home then we provide lifelong sanctuary including wow. Afu the cat who's making herself known behind me here Sorry yeah we can that. hear her beautiful beautiful and I know this is a podcast show, but I must, ad- I must admit something that m- made me sit up and take notice was a recent post that came up on my um, feed, and it was the on Facebook, the, the dodo, where it said a gentleman had traveled for like 12 hours in the jungle to rescue a little doggy. <laughs> and I looked, and there you were, tramping through the dark. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what, would, what was that about? Because that was just... That was just extraordinary. Tell us the story if you can. Sure, I'm sure you know the one. I can't remember the name of the dog, but you no, know the, the one. dog is Sandy. And yeah, yeah we we love all our rescues, but some um, are favourites for for many reasons. So in Taiwan, one of the biggest problems we face, and it's probably the reason for thirty to forty percent of our rescues, is there are lots of gin uh, traps. That's the leg hold traps, like a like a bear trap. You know, they step on it and done these teeth close on their feet. Um, there's a lot of these in Taiwan for catching wild animals to eat, also as deterrents for stray dogs, unfortunately, and also wire snares where the animal steps into it and then uh, some kind of spring device uh, snaps it shut on the animal's leg, sometimes not the leg, sometimes somewhere else, neck or waist or something, and then holds them until the poacher can come and take the animal away. So um, we got a, a message on Facebook um, as a hiking group in a very remote part of Taiwan. There's no roads in. There's a flat kind of hiking trail that, that there's a couple of four by fours that are just situated on them um, that sometimes go up and down. But um, uh, they weren't. There was no one around the day we went. It's it's a two hour climb up to this location, uh, followed by um, a four hour hike. And it's a guest house where people stay when they're hiking before they then have a night's rest before they head back down again. So oh, six wow. hours in, six hours out. And wow. this lady had seen a dog, a very friendly little guy, and both front feet have been uh, cut off by uh, probably snares. Um, because when it's a very neat injury, it's usually a snare, kind of like you can imagine a, 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 a cheese cutter going straight yeah. through through yeah, something. Yeah. And when it's a trap, which is the the metal teeth, um, it's it's not such a neat um, amputation, should we say? So she shared it on Facebook, and people were saying, you know, it's, uh, no one's going to go up there to get this dog. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. Because just to clarify, the dog is in serious trouble. It can't walk. It can't. Yeah, both front feet. It, it yeah. I mean, it needs veterinary help, and there's no vets up there, are there? No, no, not up in the in the remote villages, hmm. and. I just got back from my 50th birthday celebrations in England. I was extremely jet lagged, but of course I said, no, I'll go. And I did the research and Google Maps said that I could drive there. So I thought, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. I can drive. Good old Google Maps. Yeah, yeah. It sent me wrong a few times. Um, But I contacted my friend Ross. Now, Ross runs a, he calls it a high mountain hiking um, tour group. And he takes people on more extreme hikes 
Um, so I just asked him, hey, Ross, uh, I don't know if you're free. I'm going to need help with this dog. But it says, Maps says that we can drive in. He says, what's the location? He knew exactly where it was, knew exactly the guest house where the dog was. Oh, and he wow. said, there's no way, there's no way you can drive there. It's impossible. It's a one kilometer uh, climb at the beginning for a start. And he said, I'll, I'll take you up there, which I'm so glad, um, glad about because there's no way I could do it by myself. And so he, we drove down to the base of the, uh, of the trail that goes up to this village. And he paid for us to stay in this, um, uh, like a bed and breakfast or a hostel kind of thing, which was pointless yeah, because yeah. we didn't get any sleep. I'm still jet lagged. He doesn't sleep much anyway. He's got tons of energy. So we had a glass of wine, trying to sleep. Didn't happen. Alarm goes off at 3 a.m. Um, actually, 2.30 a.m. We started the climb at 3 a.m. because he said, if we're going to get this dog out, we've got to be up there and out before it gets dark at night. Wow. So yeah. 3 a.m. start. Yeah, because in on the Dodo video, you, you're starting the walk and it's pitch dark and you've got yeah. headlights on, headlamps yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was very steep steps for half the climb, and then it's like a rocky trail. By the way, I've got to say that the locals who live up there they go up and down this couple of times a day. Oh, They're I know. amazing. I know. Um, I must say, it it had me laughing when I saw you, and you looked exhausted. Oh, and, that was and then you 10 said steps. we've only done ten steps. And, <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God. and that was genuine. I mean, it might have been twenty steps, but it really was because I'm thinking I've yeah. not. I'm jet lagged. I've not had yeah. any sleep. And I've got prepared, a 12 hour prepared well with a red wine. Yeah, well, it's only a little glass, but but <laughs> you know, Ross Ross is used to um, inexperienced people joining his tours, and he just kept his calm and and calmly led us up and got me chatting. And before I knew it, we were talking away and, and making progress. Yeah. Anyway, cut a very long journey short. We arrived at the village. Um, the dodo got a few facts wrong. We, we arrived there actually about five hours later. We made really good time, even though it was a six-hour hike for, for most people. Um, mostly flat once you get past the, um, the, the initial climb, so that was a, a relief. And then we approached the village, and Ross oh, knew... I exactly love this bit. Can I tell them this bit? Oh, huh? The, the bit I loved when I saw this bit was this sudden kind of exclamation of, hang on, what happens if we can't find him? Yeah. Well, we talked about this, you see. see I do so many rescues where mm. the dog's not there. And I'll stay for a few hours. I have to drive back home. I'll get yep. up at dawn to try again. And and, and you know time. this as well as I do, that half the time the dog's just kind of seen you and it's scared and it's hiding under a car or hiding oh, yeah. in the – just Absolutely. watching you, watching. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and people say, I'm ever so sorry. He's usually here every day. It just yeah. happens so much. And we were talking about this. Um, my, my major concern was we were both concerned the dog might not be there because he's not chained up or anything. We'd already got permission from the people in the guest house. They, they knew the original owner of the dog and they'd agreed we could, we could save the dog, but no one had chained him up or anything. Um, we were both concerned about if he's going to be there or not. My major concern was whether I'm fit enough to get up and down and, and not, you know, completely, uh, be like a dead weight for Ross. Sean's, Sean's main concern is his own fitness and survival. <laughs> yeah. Survival, I'm fine. Ross bought all the equipment. He had all kinds of stuff to get us out of there. Um, and Ross's main concern was, even though we had permission from these people to get the dog, he was worried that another local might see us and it might look like we're stealing the dog. 
Um, yeah. We both speak enough Chinese, but still there might be questioning why we're taking a dog. But we approached this guest house and we went to the spot where the dog was seen. They took a photograph and it was this kitchen area with these ovens. And when that appeared on, on the dodo, people were claiming this dog was going to be eaten. But he, he just sleeps in these ovens because they're warm when they're not oh, being used, of course. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can see in the dodo video, we're like, oh, oh no, he's not here. We've just done all of that for nothing. And now my immediate thought was, okay, we need to kind of do a little search of the area. He's probably near a building somewhere. And then we both looked towards the, the, the building and these, these piles of um, plastic chairs outside, and we both spotted him. And he came. Yeah, it's beautiful. And what I'll do is I'll put the video. Well, I'm not sure what I'll be able to put on, but I'll put a link to the, the whole video for those people who want to watch it. But uh, nice video. it is it is hilarious watching Sean have to make his way down and trying to carry the dog. And and like you said, the most amazing thing was this little dog. He just sat there happy as can be all the way back yeah. down the mountain. Eh? He was just so happy to have been saved. We were so lucky in so many ways because we didn't know how yeah. big the dog was. You can't tell from yeah. a photo. No. The woman no. said she thinks he's friendly, um, but you don't know. And even no. if he is friendly and, and not too big, there's no guarantee he's going to put up with being carried in a backpack. But he was absolutely the perfect patient. Uh, and look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the story for where he ends up. Okay. I'm going to leave that bit. But it, it is a happy ending, and that's what I love about so much of the stuff that you do, Sean. It, it often it is a very happy ending. So yeah. much because because of the effort and your determination. So for me, it's that was addictive. one of the. It's addictive when you've managed to, our, our kind of motto is we're transforming the lives of suffering animals. And when yeah. you do that, it's such, there's little, there's no other work that I can think of apart from you know, similar work um, yes. that is as rewarding as uh, taking an animal that's suffering or a person, yeah. of course, and taking away the pain and giving the best life forward. Athol, I will, I will feed you later. She's complaining to me. Brilliant. It's Brilliant. Okay. After the podcast, this is an important podcast. Um, no, I have a similar saying. It's funny, Sean. I have a similar saying that I have no, I have, I know of no greater joy than bringing kind of life to another being. Yeah, and a being is, it's a human being or an animal or exactly. So yeah, I, oh, I, so so sorry. So can can you tell us, Sean, a little bit about um, act? How many dogs? have you got at the minute and how many dogs have you saved just a very just for listeners we keep a running total on our website because we've logged every single um rescue some are not rescues i would say maybe one percent are dogs that come to us from um uh homes and they come okay but generally uh we've now i think we're approaching one thousand no nearly two thousand wow in 20 years so these are 2,000 animals that you've actually rescued literally from the the woods, the streets. Yeah, hit by car, skin disease, injured by traps or snares, sometimes from abuse, sometimes from other animals hurting them. We rescued one that got attacked by wild pigs um, wow. uh, on New Year's Day. Um, so it's about 2,000, which compared to other rescues is a small number, but those rescues are, are bringing in unwanted dogs we're actually going out and spending days having to track down the dogs um wait for them set these humane traps to catch them um other animals you know monkeys and and cats and things too and um we rescue right now 
or we bring in about 150 per year. And uh, in our care right now, we've got just over 200, 50 something cats and about 150 uh, dogs and one flying squirrel in our care. Oh, wow. pigs coming soon. Brilliant. Animal farm. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, the 150 dogs, where do they end up? You just foster them out and find homes for most of them? or Well, in Taiwan, it's, I can only compare it to England. When you pick up a stray dog in England, that dog is almost always used to people and easygoing. So it's easy just to grab them. And if they... If you can't find yeah. the owner, then you can get them adopted. But in Taiwan, they're often second or third generation strays. So they're yeah. used to people because that's where they get their food, but they're not used to being touched or walked or things like that. So it's not easy finding <clears throat> the right home for these dogs. Um, mm. But we do, a, we do our best, and uh, we are very good at – we use a lot of your techniques, actually. We're very good at, at taking dogs who are really just uncertain – and giving them yeah. security and certainty so that they can accept being part of a human family and enjoying it. But so, Are many of them aggressive? Are they aggressive or more fearful, would you say? It's very few are aggressive. Yeah. They just wouldn't be they're tolerated just, because they're straight. I've noticed that on the videos, just yeah. watching as you approach. Most of them are just, they back away, they back away, they're just scared. Yeah, and then exactly. when you get your hand on them, they seem to go, Ah, oh, they can feel the love and the energy come through and they know they're not going to be hurt and they're almost happy yeah. to be held. Yeah, when we net them, sometimes they go a little bit, um, yep. not crazy, but they put up a bit of a fight. And then always we, we teach people who are with us, we don't say their name repetitively, we don't speak in a high voice, we speak calmly while the dog yep. is going, you know, a little bit uh, crazy. And we put a yep. hand on because they can't bite you when they're in the net if you put your hand in the right place. And we just let them know, look, we're here, we're touching you, and um, it, it's all okay. And they'll always calm down. So mm. uh, we only have a couple in foster homes. Um, we get maybe 40 adopted every year. That's going to change because we've got an adoptions manager coming soon. Um, so we build these sanctuaries. Our, our policy is if somebody wants to adopt one of our dogs – um, we go through not a very strict process, but just a very careful one. And we tell ourselves, okay, is this dog going to be better off in the long term in that person's mm. home or with us? Because we have these beautiful sanctuaries. We have these yeah. gardens where the dogs live. With uh, They're paved and, and have grass, and they have these almost typhoon-proof dog houses, and they go for walks, and they get to switch gardens around. And in Australia or New Zealand, I'm sure you've got, um, big people have used to have big yards for their dogs, not in Taiwan. Most people live in apartments. So mm. for a dog to be living in, a, in one of our gardens and going for walks every day and we feed yeah. fresh food, all of our dogs and cats get raw meat and bones um, with staff. And they've got all the other dogs to socialize with as well. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. In groups of, we try to stick to groups of six or seven, which according to who you listen to is, if you do get packs of wild dogs, they're usually around six or seven. Although there's the question of what a pack is and is it just a, a, a family group that hasn't split up yet or is it a group of male dogs courting a female in heat? But, but regardless, you rarely see feral dogs in groups of more than six or seven. So we try to, yeah. to uh, replicate yeah. that in our sanctuaries. Yeah. 
Perfect. So <clears throat> you did mention earlier that you use some of my techniques. Now, <laughs> of course, this podcast show is not about my training techniques, but I wouldn't be doing myself justice if I didn't mention the fact that that's actually how we um, met, I think, going back all those years. It was something to do with the training, and, and you used the training or something? Do you remember? Can you remember? Yeah, because yeah, we we'd followed other trainers and yep. results, and I can't remember how we got in touch, but um, I was asking you about your course, and you were very kind enough, knowing what I do, to let me let me in for free. And, um, yeah, it was uh, there was stuff in there that I hadn't seen in other places, like holding the collar to calm a dog down, things like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, it works, you know. So, um, yeah, we, we're very careful about we, – we don't employ staff who feel sorry for dogs and who get excited around dogs or panic mm, around dogs. Yep. We make sure that they actually feel – well, we give them some training, but it's mostly about their – their attitude that's important but yeah. they must be the right energy around totally. the dogs and totally. we even if a big donor comes and that donor is being too loud or too um like pitying the dogs we don't let them stay because it really sends a bad vibe through the place and oh it's incredible those can start actually yeah. fighting each other because they sense that yeah. something's wrong yeah yeah so tell me sean how does a man who were you born, I think, or you lived I was born. in the I was born different. in Kent, <laughs> Kent in England? Yeah. How do you end up running a dog rescue center in uh, Taiwan? How well, it's simple. I, I'm a very flawed human being, and, and running a rescue it, it allows me to have an excuse for all of those things that oh, brilliant! What I'm lacking. Why are you so late? Why are you so messy? Why do you have no money? Why does your car stink? I'm sorry, I rescue animals. <laughs> oh, okay. It's an excuse for the person that I am. No, I, I've had brilliant. many, many jobs. Um, I, I think I counted something like 30 jobs before I was wow. 35. And then I did my first animal rescue. What sort of jobs did you have out of interest? Um, well, when I was younger, I was an accountant. When I left, when I left um, oh, my school, goodness. I became a chartered accountant. There you go. So every chartered accountant who's listening in their car, <laughs> driving along, going, "I am tired. I am. I am not fulfilled. This is not adventurous." Yeah, I, I honestly believe you've got to do what you love. You've really got to yeah. um, have a passion for your work because it's the biggest part of your day. And um, when it's your passion, it doesn't seem like work. You can keep going forever. Totally. Um, and so, I, how did I you actually end up in Taiwan? Tell me about that. I well, wanna, my friend I was here. He was traveling around Asia, and he said, "Hey, I'm yeah. in a place called Taiwan. You should come. It's amazing." Um, he said, "You make really good money teaching English." And I owed a oh, thousand pounds or so at the time. I thought, "Okay, I'll go for a few months." And um, it just went on from there. Uh, that was twenty years ago. Good on you. Good stuff. So tell me about the real challenges. I mean, your day-to-day -day kind of – what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, well, most days are the same, I guess, and that's why I have difficulty following a schedule. We don't know what day it is. We honestly don't know what day it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so generally, we don't, we don't have an alarm clock unless I have to get up pre-dawn to do a rescue because we work really around the clock, my wife and I. We don't believe in setting an alarm. We get up when we need to get up, and that helps us have more energy. But basically, um, we 
we used to have most, not most, but a lot of dogs in and outside our house. But now we've got a little family. We've been slowly um, uh, moving them all into a new sanctuary that we've built. But basically, you know, we get up, we take care of the, the dogs immediately in our care, um, feeding and cleaning. And my wife tends to take care of the – we've got two charities. We've got a UK charity that I take care of, and we've got the Taiwan charity that my wife takes care of the admin for. Um, but there's a lot of messages to respond to, people sending us messages about animals in need of help. Mm. Um, but a lot of the And have you got many assistants? I mean, I know what it's like feeding three dogs, never mind 150. Oh, yeah, we've got help. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Just tell, tell me, can you answer one question? When you feed the dogs, do you put the food in bowls or do you scatter it on the floor? I mean, I've seen some hilarious videos of sacks of food just being poured out. Is, uh, <laughs> what's your approach? I've got no judgment here. I'm if just I've curious. got one off to a rescue and I know yes. it's far away, I will just throw the food down in the garden. Yeah. I know that the the faster ones will get most and the, and the slower yeah. ones will get least, but at least they get something. But that's maybe one time in every four months that we do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, we feed by hand. And by hand... Oh, you actually mean, feed by hand. Yeah. Well, we, we actually, when I met Ian Dunbar, he, he said this is a very important thing for for helping dogs to trust you and, and get close yeah. to you. Feed by hand. Totally. And there's totally. also the health benefit. We feed yeah. raw, so dogs never say no. When you put a bowl of dry food down, they can look at it and go, oh, God, again. But when you put, when you give them raw, they never, ever say no. And so yeah. seeing them eat is crucial because if they say no to their food, there's something wrong. Either they're being um, bullied by other members of, the, of their group, it's in which case we'll move them somewhere else, or they've, they're running a temperature or there's something else not quite right. So feeding by hand is so important for an early warning signal for yeah. a, a dog's maybe um, not feeling very well or not feeling comfortable in his group. And when we say feed by hand, it's not always, you know, from our hand into their mouth. We tend to throw them a little bit um, yeah. just because it's not dangerous. It's not safe to put your hands too near their mouths because you can be trying to put food into one dog's mouth and another one might try and steal it and there goes your finger. So we wow. just give a little bit of a throw. Yeah. And yeah. when we get a new dog, because if it's shy, we'll let them hide in the corner at feeding time. We throw it to them. But every day we're throwing the food a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter until they're sitting with the rest of the pack. Oh, brilliant. And we teach yeah. the staff not to feed any dogs that are jumping up and down, four feet on the ground. They'll get their food sitting down, the ones who get fed first. And it, and even puppies get this. They get it within brilliant. two bits of of meat. Oh, when I sit down, I get the food. You don't want them jumping mm. up. Yeah. So we feed raw. A lot of it, I mean, I think one of the most misunderstood things is how, you know, how easy it is to use food to train a dog. Mm. Of course, there's more to it than just using food to train the dog, but using the food can be so, so powerful. And also not using food when you don't need to. You know, if you've got a, a dog who can't do a sit, and you constantly give the dog all the food just for coming when the dog's called. Mm. Well, one of the most simplest tricks is to stop using all the food for the recall and then just only give it when they go toilet outside or yeah. do the sit. So, yeah. Yeah, when you know what the, what the dog is most, um, let's say, not fixated on, but what they see as the, as the greatest resource, you use that mm. to your benefit. And it's Hardly. usually food, but sometimes it's attention. Sometimes it's a toy. Um, we don't use toys in training. Um, 
just because we we don't have a lot of time for that at the moment. But yeah, I was going to say just time, and it gets a bit yeah. complicated. Easier to just use a piece but of meat. Why not food and attention? Because it's just there. It's it's very. They have exactly. toys. They play with toys. But we don't use that for um, training, should we say? We use that yeah, yeah. for recreation. Brilliant. So. Something that I just, this is a completely random question, Sean, but I know which people have motivated me in my life. And, you know, for me, you're a, you're somebody who's achieved their dreams. And so I'm kind of, well, I say that you obviously haven't, you probably haven't achieved all your <laughs> dreams, but you are where you are. Let's just say that. Yeah. I'm where I want who's to motivated you? Which people have made you kind of, if you look at all the people who've changed your direction in your life, which are the people who, kind of had an impact on you in some way, shape, or form for the positive. Oh, there's, there's mm. many. There's many. Mm. Okay, like totally. the first one would be, there's a lady called, well, she was called Becky Barron back then. I think she remarried and might have a new surname. But um, I was in the US in the Florida Keys, and I got involved with a wildlife rescue, and that was it. I was rescuing wild animals, and I, I was just in love with every day. And um, she really inspired me because she was there 24-7 and she was a very wow. good trainer. Um, I don't trust authority very much, um, but she yeah. she proved to be a really good leader because she led with, with genuine authority and genuine passion for animals. And I would do anything that she asked me to. And she trusted yeah. me. She taught me how to help her with a lot of the, the surgical things that she was doing. And yeah. I just realized, man, I could I could actually help animals and maybe get paid for it. She didn't get paid very much, but um, I figured yeah. I would live. And she was the first one that made me realize that I might want to be looking at this as a career. Brilliant. Then when I, was I think what I love about this question is it just shows how life is so varied and so random. And you can't plan it because – when you went to see Becky Barron, the animal rescuer in the Florida Keys, you'd never dream that she was going to be effectively your yeah. career advisor. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And How? I wouldn't even call her a career advisor. She was just in, inspirational by oh, who was. totally. All I mean is the yeah. role that she actually yeah. played for you was... This is career director, you, shall we say. Director, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah career Yeah. Um, anybody else? To have someone do that, of course. Hey. She was very happy to to encourage someone to be helping animals. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Anybody else? You can yeah. Um, think of. So after that, I when I was in Taiwan and I was teaching English and I just split up with my then fiancé and I was thinking, oh, shall I just go back to England? It's not working out. And I met Jane Goodall. And she oh, was friends right. yes. with my ex-fiance's new boyfriend it was a good it was a nice healthy friendly breakup yeah, and yeah. my ex got me in to a meeting because jane goddard's event got cancelled and she was looking for something to do and she invited some like-minded people to to her hotel room and just to just to talk and she sat in there well, we sat in her room for three hours listening to her um and she's an amazing speaker she's so quiet but yes. so impassioned and so inspiring. And she just turned to me and said, oh, I hear you rescue dogs. Why don't you start an organization? And I thought, my God, how can I say no? Jane Goodall is probably the, the biggest idol I've had in my life. Oh. And um, so I tell everyone, I was telling everyone, I was on a mission from Goodall. And um, she's been giving me her support ever since. She writes me letters sometimes. Oh. And um, Apple, you're not in this one. You're not, you're not in this podcast. That um, cat is 
getting angry. Yeah, um, great stuff. I was I was very inspired by Caesar Milan, who I know has mixed reviews, but when you really yeah. understand dogs, you know that Caesar really, really knows what he's talking about. Totally. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Amazing stuff he does with dogs, but how he keeps on going despite some yeah. pretty horrible things happening to him. Yeah, yep. Yeah. His heart is his heart is for the dogs. He understands energy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I mean, got nothing but the, nothing the, the but gratitude and respect. Like is the physical stuff that he does, but you don't have to do that. If you yeah. just copy what he teaches about energy and mm. uh, controlling yourself before you control the dog, mm. um, just that is enough to produce miracles with dog. And I mean miracles with dogs. It's, mm. it's amazing. Mm. Energy. I remember something Cesar Milan said. He said, my greatest tool. I was thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. What is it? The leash, the, the clicker. He said, my greatest tool is energy, my energy. I thought, what? Yeah. But now I understand that. When you've got amazing calm energy, yeah. you don't even have to do anything. I mean, some dogs, I sometimes pick up the leash and the dog just sits, calms down. I give the owner the leash and the dog starts jumping up yeah. and down on them. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. But mm. trying to get that through to people who want to blame the dog's problems on anything but themselves, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the most frustrating thing because these people love their dogs. But if you don't say to yourself, even if you're not to blame, you must say, uh, this comes from me. Because if you, what, if you yeah. don't, you're basically being a victim and you can never control your life if you've got something else to blame it on. But when you say, yeah. this is because of me and I'm going to fix this, now you're in a position to take control. I apologize. Yeah. Now yeah. You're in a position. And, 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 you know, this, this is such a huge point, which I never intended to cover off. But, you know, recently I, I've had to face up to this with my children, with my wife, with my relationships with other humans, that it's easy to say, oh, I don't have the friends around me that I want. You know, all the people around here aren't, aren't my sort of people. Mm. And my wife is just you know, not the way I want it to be. And my, my son and my children, they're just not the easiest kids. They keep <laughs> annoying me and I have to shout. <laughs> but that's just blame, 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 shaming them, telling them they're all wrong. Yeah. And, and you know, it wasn't that long ago. I had to go on a bit of a soul-searching trip, which maybe I'll share it one day. And um, I came back a different man because I realized that was probably the key thing I had to change. I had to go, you know what? No more. No more blaming other people because I can't control anything my wife does, mm -hmm. chooses to do. I can't control my kids and, and all the dogs, all my friends. All I can do is look at myself mm -hmm. and say, how can I change? And when I changed, all of those things started to change. Because and people are reacting to us. Yeah, totally. And yeah, that's the, I mean, this is what I'm looking forward to now. I've got kids is is totally that's one of the most valuable life le life lessons i've managed totally. to pick up along the way is that don't blame everyone else for what's going on around you ask yourself how can i do things differently well yeah th that was in a book um i can't remember who wrote that book but he said when you're having problems with your dogs the first thing you got to ask yourself is what am i doing to um encourage this bad behavior and what yeah. can i do within myself to discourage it, it yeah. basically it's it's within us the, the majority of problems even if now people who play the victim will will, will take offense to what we're saying but that's the whole point even yeah. if i was walking down the street and i got mugged 
Because people say, oh, so if I'm mugged, are you going to say, I should say to myself, well, I would say, you could have done something differently. It's not that I'm blaming you for what happened, but you can't go through life now thinking that you're a victim and you're going to get mugged. You could have gone down a different road. You could have worn different clothes. You could have been walking with someone else. So, And I just want to jump in here very quickly just to say, you know, I think bad things do happen to good people as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, these are good people that it happens to. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is no, I'm if you, you have this you. attitude of that bad thing happened mm. and I'm a victim, there's nothing I could do, you, you, you're, you could be right. I'm not saying it's your fault. But if you change that attitude and say, right, how can I do things differently? Mm. You, you're just going to go totally. through life much better. And we know just the, the mugging scenario again. I know from reading travel books that they tell you, don't walk around this area looking at your map. Walk through this area with your shoulders back and your head up because people won't mess with you if they think you're, you're confident. Yeah. And, and you know as well as I do, it's the same with dogs. The dogs know if you're confident. The yeah. dogs know if you're not confident. And um, Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I mentioned hey. it because that is how we yeah. help so many dogs. We don't use any negative energy. We don't pity them. We don't, no. um, we don't shout at them. We'll shout to them. We don't um, get aggressive with them. We don't beg them. It's all about us and i'll tell i'll my staff are always amazed when i give them this lesson about how to walk a difficult dog and i say right i'm watching the dogs freaking out on leash i say stop focus on yourself shoulders back head up imagine a perfect walk and they do that and the dog senses this and falls in line but all the time they're looking at the dog and saying look at my dog i'm blaming the dog the dog yeah. plays up. But when you... The dog, they're looking at the dog and the dog's looking at them and everyone's going, who's leading? You're looking at me, I'm looking at you. Exactly. Well, what's happening? What's you can't control a dog until you've controlled yourself. And, and that's I the have, reality. Yeah, I have one, um, a beautiful saying which my wife uses. She, she trains horses and um, it ties in with something we said earlier, which is this. When something goes wrong, so say the rider, um, say a rider gets bucked off a horse, she says, what happened before, what, no, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. What were you doing before the thing that happened, happened? So for the rider who gets thrown off, what was the rider doing before the rider was flipped off, mm-hmm. before that happened? And it's the same with the dogs. You know, when when something happens or an incident happens, you can ask yourself, what was I doing before the thing that happened happened and very often you can actually go ah mm-hmm. yeah it might even be that you're walking to the kitchen with too many things in your hands and you drop something what were you doing you're trying to cut a corner you're trying to balance a tray with a cup on top of the tray full of water and your mobile phone was on it as well and then everything slid off the tray <laughs> take that one away with you guys <laughs> sean we don't have that long left all right I mean, we could go on for hours, but I'm actually thinking, why don't we do this another time as well? Because I've got so many questions I want to ask you. Could you tell me a little bit about, I mean, I know this, I know people can sponsor you, but I'm not too sure about exactly how to go about it. Or if people want to see the videos, if they want to see you, if they want to see photos of the dogs and stuff. I mean, I'll put a blog post together, um, a podcast kind of show notes with all of this. But if people want to come to your site, and maybe have a look at the dogs. What's your site? What's the best way they can get in touch with you? What's our most most actively updated social media are Instagram and Facebook. 
Um, we have the website, um, but it's fairly static. So you can definitely have a good look at what we do and see some of the amazing transformations we make. And that's yep. um, actforanimals.org. Uh, yep. Act and the words for F-O-R. Um, but uh, the English Facebook page is act m dash oh sorry act hyphen whatever you want to call it um animal care trust um we had some problems with that instagram so we, the posts on on facebook have slowed down so we're hiring a, a social media to a social media manager to run it because instagram suddenly has stopped doing automatic posts from instagram to facebook and that's how we did the majority of our facebook got you yep but you can also find us on instagram which is the most lively one and that's act underscore for underscore animals. And we'll put these links on my, if you go to the online dog trainer and have a look under podcasts for this podcast, all the show notes, a transcription of the whole thing, all the links, whole load of uh, videos, what stuff we can find will all be there. Um, fantastic, Sean. I'm sure you're always uh, happy to receive a couple of dollars donation. Is that? Oh, absolutely. We're we're pretty much hand to mouth. Um, Yeah. Things are picking up, but we don't. Can you? We don't have a lot of. Sorry. Can you give us an idea of 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 like, I don't know anything that you are allowed to share or can share? I mean, just I'm always fascinated with what what it costs to. Yeah. Well, we've got um, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. We've got seven. Eight animal care staff, no, three, seven animal care staff right now. And, of course, they've got salaries. But Taiwan's not a very expensive country. Their salaries are about 1000 US a month each. All in all, um, I think we are spending about 600,000 Taiwan dollars, which is about 15,000 UK pounds, which these days is about, I don't know, 20,000 US dollars per month. Um, Wow. Yeah. A big portion of it is vet bills because the animals we rescue are really in a bad way. But Taiwan vets are not too expensive. It's just that we rescue so many. But that's 700 US dollars per day, is it? Oh, uh, what well, our costs? 20,000 US a month. 20,000 yeah. US dollars a month is, yeah, I guess it is. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty incredible, Sean, I think. Anyway, 150 dogs. 150 dogs, 150 rescues per year. We, we yeah. run a vehicle. We've got three yeah. facilities. We've got two dog sanctuaries. Um, we've got one cat sanctuary. We've got them sanctuaries, but they also double up as a rehoming center. Um, when we rescue a dog, for example, it's mostly dogs that we rescue. It could be other animals. Yeah. It usually takes two to three days. That's the average. It can be immediate, but it can take Got you. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And very different from them being dropped off on your doorstep. Is oh, what you're yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. And we have to drive yeah. to them and sometimes yeah. two hour drive or more to get there. Mm. Um, so there's other costs like that, but we don't have a lot in the way of admin costs because Great. I'm the main animal rescuer and I spend 60 hours a week doing animal rescues, but I'm also the guy doing the admin for the UK charity. Well, uh. I get paid as the animal rescuer, which is not very much at all. And the admin side is, is voluntary. So our admin costs um, are really very low, like 5%. Yeah. So when yeah. people do donate, it's I mean, almost all going to animal rescue and care. I, I just appreciate you sharing, uh, Sean. And, you know, for what it's worth, anybody listening who's wondering, you know, 
I have seen, I have seen, you don't even know this, Sean, but I've seen you in a, a few situations where I've gone, my God, that guy is going above and beyond mm -hmm. for those animals. There was a, I think I asked you for a testimonial once or said, would you be happy to do something? And just, you know, and it looked, it looked like it was like 99% humidity and there was so many dogs around you. And you were, it was just clearly so hot and you were still just doing what had to be done. You were doing the work. I was like, wow, that is not easy in that heat and that humidity. And um, then there was another time I saw you and, you know, you were getting ready for the birth of, I think it was your first child. And yeah. you were like saying, we've got, to, we've got to move out of this house because, you know, the baby's coming. And I think you had like seven or maybe i don't know how many 17 animals still running around and yeah uh, your love for the animals just came <laughs> through so strong it was it almost made me laugh and i was like man that is a man who is doing this for the animals well, no, we just we just believe we, we never say no we we have um, limits like regional limits we can't obviously rescue every single animal all over Taiwan, and there are other groups doing rescues too but um if there's one that we're asked to help and it needs help, we never say no. We we work out how later on. So that does mean that sometimes we get, and I, it sounds like a lot of dogs in the house, but we've got a huge roof, a huge yard, a huge balcony. There's only about seven inside, which is a lot for most people, but for us it's nothing. Um, yeah. We just believe in just get them and work out the logistics of how we're going to you know, pay for it and take care of them later because that's what I would want. If I was suffering, if I was in an accident, I wouldn't want people to say, oh, well, actually, I haven't got the resources to, to help you, I'm afraid. No, no I am just I'm... to get me the help I need. And But, you know, the only reason we could do it is other people. And I, I yeah. genuinely believe that angels are real. They just happen to come in human form because we ourselves uh, have been saved so many times financially because we do get stuck every now and again. And we post yeah. a picture of a suffering dog on Facebook people just chip in to pay the vet bill immediately and they're so uh, willing to do it. And that is what you asked me who inspires me. And I should have said earlier on, it's the people who support us. It doesn't matter how uh, much they give, but knowing people want to see us succeed in helping more animals. And genuinely that's what keeps us really going when times are tough is knowing that other people um, believe that this is an important thing for us to be doing as well. So when you give a donation to any charity, but especially small ones, be aware that you're not just boosting their finances, you are boosting their spirits because it's so nice to know that someone's got your back, as it were. I got tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's so I late out there. It's time for your bed, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, guys, you can't see me. You don't know if it's real, but you can probably hear. That's that's the passion. That's the love. That's why I love you, Sean. I can feel it. And you talk about the people being the angels. That's how I feel. Like, it's just, oh, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. We tear up now. It's, hey. though, it's, it's really true. And we don't say it willy-nilly we we we've been saved ourselves so many times our 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 second daughter died at birth and we were left with a massive i was gonna say vet bill a massive hospital bill we're over it we 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 know it wasn't meant to be and within 36 hours or within an hour someone had set up a gofundme for us 
And within 36 hours, we'd raised the 10,000 US dollars to pay our hospital bill. The, the bill was to cover, my wife reacted badly to the drug that was um, delaying labor. And yeah. she had to come off of it. That's the one that comes free with the healthcare system here. But the one that would work for her was very expensive. And a friend of mine just said, how much is it, Sean? And it was like 300 US dollars a day. He said, I'll just get it done. I'll take care of it if you need. So that meant we could do it. And then she was in there for two weeks. So this final bill was huge. And we don't earn much money. And all these people came forward. People, some of them I don't even know. They just knew that we're animal rescuers who were in need of rescuing ourselves. And uh, I can't tell you how that made us feel. We feel genuinely indebted and we pay it forward now. We'll, if we see people's GoFundMe's, we'll pay it forward. But kindness, it's a very, it's a very, uh, what's the word? It, it, it does far more than the initial um, act. It, it does so much more for the people you're helping and encourages others to do the same. So genuinely, genuinely, we are eternally grateful for anybody who supports. We see ourselves as the vehicle with no fuel and people fuel us. <laughs> <laughs> I I totally get it. You're running off an oily rag and yeah, just whatever people put in for that day, and it just keeps happening. It's the miracle, yeah. yeah really, is. it's trust, it's faith, yeah. Exactly. They don't know who we are. Most of them don't. I don't haven't even come here. But yeah, it's knowing that there's trust and there's faith. That's that's good for the planet. I think. Well, guys, that's a wrap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> totally unplanned, totally unscripted. The tears were real, totally unscripted. I felt the love. Hope you felt the love, guys, driving in your cars. <laughs> Sean, I don't know what to say other than a big thank you and thank you for what you did and for coming on the Doggy Dan podcast show. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you for what you do. You know, you, you've helped so many dogs by your genuinely gentle but highly effective um, methods. That's what people need. Mm. And thanks for doing this show. And let's do it again. I've got a lot more, <laughs> yeah, a lot more to share, like like our diet. I'd love to get that across at some point. Brilliant. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. And so, just to recap, guys, everything will be transcribed of this show. Everything has been mentioned. I'll put it on my website with links to Sean's, you know, social media places. And um, yeah, that was that was that was real. That was moving. Stick, keep focusing on your energy, guys. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, stay in charge of your own soul, of your own day, of how you're feeling. You're in charge. You can be in control of yourself. And um, yeah, one more big thank you to you, Sean. Until next time. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thanks, mate. Have a great day, everybody. Till next time. This was that was the Doggy Dan Podcast Show. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.